I'm really glad to be here with you to, again together uh, today. I, I loved the community and the worship and just chatting with you guys afterwards last week. So it's really my pleasure to be with you. Uh, let's go. Here we go. So after my senior year of high school, this was almost 40 years ago, um, I was on a date with my girlfriend, Mary. And um, I grew up in Ames, Iowa, and on this particular evening, I was driving past the dorms of, a, of Iowa State University. I was waiting at a stoplight while I was talking to my girlfriend, so I'm driving. And we, the intersection we get to is a, a T intersection, so my street goes straight, and there's traffic that comes this way. And so I'm looking up at the light for the road that's perpendicular to mine. And I noticed that the light for this road goes from green to yellow to red. And so when their traffic light went red, I start to pull out into the intersection. And lo and behold, I realize that there, there's a woman that's coming towards me and cutting in front of me. She's making a left turn in front of me, right in front of me. And I hit her. I was incredulous, because I'm going straight, she's turning left. I should have the right of way, right? Yes, except she was turning left in front of me because she had a green turn arrow, and I had a red light. Yes, it was completely my fault. And to make matters worse, there were a lot of students in the dorms you know, it was a warm day. They have their windows open. They hear a crunch, and they look out their windows, and they see this guy, and I'm talking to this woman, and so they start heckling me from their dorm windows. Nice driving, rookie. I was humiliated. Of course, my, my, my girlfriend never let me forget about this, okay? Um, so I had to go back and tell my parents, Dad, Mom, I crashed the car. In fact, I smushed this Mustang that belongs to this woman um, as I pulled into the intercession and crashed, um, crashed her car. It was one huge, costly mistake. Pulling into the intersection without looking at my light, to use the language of the book of Proverbs, was foolish. But it would have been more foolish for me to not learn from that mistake. And over the course of the last 39 years, I have never pulled into an intersection and hit somebody, okay? I learned. And there's a proverb for that. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. I love this picture, this dog. Oh, we've got a puppy, uh, our puppy is almost five months old, and I won't go into all the details, but for those of you guys who have dogs, you know that dogs like to get in things that they shouldn't. So do fools. Today we're going to talk about how to gain wisdom, how to learn from fools, how to avoid repeating our mistakes. So as we think about this, what sources do we learn from? Where do we get information from? Well, for most of us, when we're young, we learn at school. As we get a little bit older, we learn how to read. We learn from books. 
in the last 20 years or so, we might learn from the internet. I was having a discussion with my housemate Herman today about Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and he made a comment and I made a comment, we need to get in clarity. And so where did we go? Not just the internet, but Wikipedia, right? Wikipedia is now the new source of knowledge, information. So school, Wikipedia, books, they can teach us things. School can teach us how to count, how to read, how to write, how to solve problems, how to think. But school and the internet cannot teach us the most important lesson, lessons, how to gain wisdom. How to gain wisdom. Scripture gives us wisdom. God offers us wisdom. So what is wisdom? Well, wisdom involves using knowledge and experience to make good, wise, prudent, godly decisions. The book of Proverbs teaches wisdom. The book of Proverbs teaches wisdom. I'm going to be talking, I'm going to give a couple of sermons on the book of Proverbs. Um, uh, as we learn about Proverbs and try to apply Proverbs, really what we are doing is we're, we're, it's like we're learning, living, and loving the Word, which was the sermon I talked about last week out of Psalm 119. So this is really kind of an application of Psalm 119. Um, uh, so in a couple of weeks, I'll be talking about the sound of silence from Proverbs on listening. Uh, and then October 27th, I'll talk about poverty and laziness. From pro yeah, laziness and, pro and poverty. Uh, but today I want to focus on how to gain wisdom and not be a fool. How to gain wisdom and not be a fool. We're going to talk about learning from fools, from family, from friends, and from fear. Okay? I don't always use alliteration, okay? but last week I did, this week I I'm going to... Fools, family, friends, and fear. How do we learn from all of these? So, but before we start talking about Proverbs, we need to talk about who wrote the book of Proverbs. Now, most of us might just say, well, King Solomon. King Solomon. And the book starts out and says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. So that's re reasonable. But the book actually says a little bit more about who wrote the book of Proverbs. Oh, there's, there's Solomon um, wise, making a wise decision between the two prostitutes. Um, in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Chapter 10 tells us these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Okay, but there were a few more people involved. The book also talks about the wise. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And the wise show up again uh, a couple chapters later. These are the sayings of the wise. Okay, that seems to be going beyond just Solomon. And then, uh, in chapter 25, it says, these are the problems of Solomon, okay, they're Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. Well, if it's talking about Hezekiah, Hezekiah lived over two centuries after Solomon. <laughs> okay, so the book of Proverbs didn't come together until hundreds of years after Solomon. The book also talks about the words of Agar. Now, we're not sure who Agar is, but he gives an oracle in chapter 30. And then in chapter 31, it talks about the words of King Lemuel. 
We're not sure who he is either. But you know what, who he learned from? Who did King Lemuel learn from? His mother. The oracle his mother taught him. There were a lot, mainly Solomon, but there were a lot of other people that were involved in putting this book together. So when we think about it, let's not just focus on Solomon. The other thing we need to say is there's actually one other person that's missing as we talk about the authorship of the book. I personally believe Proverbs was divinely inspired. So let's not forget God when we talk about the authorship of the book of Proverbs, okay? God. God is ultimately the source of wisdom, and God was Solomon's source of wisdom. Solomon got wisdom from God himself. So I think Solomon was probably the main person, but as we think about Proverbs, let's remember there were other people involved in the writing of this book, and, and we also need to remember God in this process, Divine, a divinely inspired book. Now Solomon started out his life very wisely, but he ended foolishly. So let's look at his story a little bit. So Solomon had a bunch of older brothers. And David maybe had been tempted to choose one of them. But despite David having a bunch of older sons, when, it, when he got old and he had to pick his successor to come to be king after him, he chose Solomon. And Solomon was probably quite young at this point in time. Solomon was probably a teenager. But after David died, God appears to Solomon in a dream. That's what this is an image of. That's Solomon laying there. God is speaking to him in a dream. God did, the, the, I call it the genie thing. He offered Solomon to grant him a wish, the, like a genie, right? Now, if I were Solomon and I was offered a wish, I would have asked for more wishes, okay, right? You know. Some of you guys thought that was funny. Uh, Solomon didn't ask for more wishes. Solomon asked for wisdom because he knew he would need wisdom to rule over this great nation that God had given him. It's always good to ask God for wisdom. James 1 talks about this. If you, need, if you, if you are lacking wisdom... Ask God, seek God. Solomon was young, but he was a wise young man. For those of you guys who are under 30 here, or even under 20, pray for wisdom. For those of you guys who are over 30, pray for wisdom. Everybody should pray for that. God, give us wisdom. Make that a prayer you pray regularly. God, give us wisdom. Solomon had an enormous empire. He built a beautiful temple for God. He is often considered to be the wisest person who ever lived. I would probably say Jesus was the wisest, but some people say it's Solomon. I think it's Jesus. But Solomon, as wise as he was, did not finish well. In the book of Deuteronomy, God commanded that a king should not have a lot of wives. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. 
Deuteronomy doesn't mention a specific number, just says don't have a lot, but I think it's safe to say that Solomon bagged his limit. But tragically, Solomon allowed himself to be led astray by his many wives to the worship of foreign gods. He ignored God's command, the first command, to not worship other gods. At the end of his life, Solomon was a fool. But we can still learn from his example and from his proverbs. I had a seminary professor, Bobby Clinton, who studied the lives of leaders in Scripture and over the course of the history of the church. And one of the most shocking conclusions he found was few leaders finish well. Solomon did not finish well. But one of the things that distinguished leaders who did finish well from those that didn't was the the ones that finished well were lifelong learners. They wanted to keep learning and growing, getting closer to God. If you are a lifelong learner, you will gain wisdom. And you will ask God, God, give us wisdom. Okay, so let's look at some Proverbs now. First thing I want to say, learn from fools. (laughs) The book of Proverbs shows us that fools have a lot to teach us about how to be wise. We are learning from their negative examples. We're not following their example. We're learning from their negative examples, learning from their mistakes. And even a foolish king like Solomon can teach us how to gain wisdom. One of the things we, we learn is fools talk too much. Okay? This is chapter 18, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Some of you may know people like that. Fools love to talk. Do you love to talk? Do you speak more than anyone else in the groups you're in? Do people's eyes glaze over when you're talking? Um, verse, chapter um, 17, verse 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. This is, you may have heard of a, a paraphrase of this. Perhaps, better to remain silent and thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. My friend John, I spoke to him. I'm going to talk about John in a few minutes again. Um, John and I have been friends for over 50 years. And John's in a Bible study. John is not the person that talks the most in the Bible study. But when, when the, the Bible study gets to the end, they turn to him and say, John, what do you think? And they always know whatever John says will be wise. Okay? Now, nobody thinks they talk too much. So how can we tell? How can I tell if I talk too much? And I know there are contexts where I talk too much. Um, So here are some signs that you may be talking too much. So if you're in public and you turn off your hearing aid... (laughs) Because you don't need to listen to other people. Because you're just going to talk. I think I'm going to need a hearing aid sometime in the next five years, okay? Just a true confession here. Another sign. When you start talking, people don't make eye contact with you, okay? They're giving you signals. Maybe it's time for you to stop talking. That's one sign. Another sign you might talk too much is you never ask questions. Do you ask questions? 
Jesus asked a lot of questions. Jesus' followers should ask questions. Or maybe your spouse and your children tell you, you talk too much, okay? That would be a sign you may talk too much. If you aren't sure, come back in a few weeks when I talk about the sound of silence. So that'll be, I guess, three weeks from now. Fools talk too much. Fools are also thin-skinned. This is chapter 12, verse 16. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Now, certain public figures may come to mind when you read this proverb. Celebrities, sports figures, politicians. Prudent people don't need to tweet a response when they've been insulted. Proverbs tells us people who are easily insulted by an insult are fools. How do insults affect you? Wise people just ignore them. My sons like to come up to me, behind me when I'm sitting at the table, and they like to rub my bald spot. They come up behind, they rub my they go, Hey, baldy! <laughs> at this point in time, I say, Where are the she bears when you need them? Read 2 Kings chapter 2. There's a story about about she bears, about somebody getting called baldy, okay? 2 Kings 2, okay? But speaking of she bears, let's see what Proverbs talks about she bears. Let a man meet a she bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Now, what do you know about she bears? She bears are big and they're mad, and if they are robbed of their cubs, this is a mama bear and she's angry. You don't get in the way between a mama bear and her cubs. Okay? You avoid her. In the same way, you avoid a fool and his folly. Fools teach us about wisdom. God help us gain wisdom from fools. So, we learn from fools. We also learn from family. According to Proverbs, family teaches us about how we can gain wisdom. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Okay? This is the the, the next verse after Carl ended. The very next verse. Hear, listen up, sons and daughters. Learn from and listen to your parents. Now, parents love this teaching, right? Those of us who are parents in them, yes, preach it, pastor. But notice the, these proverbs aren't just speaking to, a, to a young children or young parents, but it's also speaking to adults who have elderly parents. For those of us who have elderly parents, we need to keep listening to them. What does it say? Do not despise your mother when she's old. Okay. My father passed away a year and a half ago, and I miss his wisdom. He offered, yeah, he's, my father was a very, actually, once my mom passed away, my father and I, our relationship became quite close. And I, I, I felt like he was constantly offering me wisdom, and I miss it. What do you do, though, when a child does not listen to their parents? Well, then you bring in Proverbs 
30, verse 17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Who wants their eyeball to be eaten out? Yeah, that's kind of gross, right? Eaten by a vulture or a raven. Graphic details, like a horror film, make a point. They get your attention. Again, this is the Bible now. I'm not making this up. This proverb reminds me of the television show from a a TV show called Arrested Development. Now, I don't recommend Arrested Development, okay? It's kind of crude and silly at the very least. But um, there's a television show where they had a series of lessons about this is why we do this. Okay, in one episode, the father, George, is having breakfast. But there's, he's eating breakfast, but there's no milk in the refrigerator, and nobody left a note on the refrigerator door to say there's no milk. Now, I don't know, we've probably all been there, right? There's, you know, no milk in the fridge, so no one left a note. So George calls his friend Walter. Walter is a man that only has one arm. Okay, he's only got, he's missing his right arm, and we don't know why that is, but he's calling his friend Walter to teach his children a lesson. So, this is silly. Okay, George is driving to school. Let's see, we'll pull this up. George is driving to school, and so he's driving the car, his kids are in the backseat, and he's telling them, he's leaning over the shoulder, and he's saying, oh, it was frustrating this morning, because I, I went to pour my cereal, and there was no milk, and he's driving like this, and he's distracted, And he hits this guy, it's Walter, he hits this guy whose arm comes off and blood squirts out. And the guy comes up and says, that's why you always leave a note. Okay, It's really outrageous. But it's memorable. A little bit like this proverb with the the eyeball and the raven. It's kind of like almost a horror story. We learn from family, and sometimes we have to warn people. Now, I have two sons who are both in grad school right now, and they are great kids, Nathan and Noah. They are great kids, but they don't always behave as I would like them to. My guess is I'm probably not the only parent here that feels this way. For some of my sons, it may be cleaning up their room or procrastinating on their work or communicating their plans with their parents or thinking about the future. I don't know what it is today, but, but when they were young, they had no choice. They had to do what I told them to do. But now that they're both taller than me and they're, um, they've got their own cars, they're independent, it's hard for me to control them. I have a tendency to say to them, hey, Nathan, you should do this. Or hey, Noah, you should do that. I tell them, you should do this, you should do this. My wife thinks I nag them. Now, I don't think, I wouldn't call it nagging. I just tell them what to do a lot. (laughs) And you know how nagging works? I mean, if you've ever been the recipient of nagging, it almost makes you want to say, no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Nagging usually backfires. Now, maybe it works for you. And again, it can work when they're young. But when you have sons that are taller than you, It may not always work. So I've been trying to learn from Proverbs. Proverbs doesn't nag. So one of the days I was walking our dog, 
This was our, our previous dog. I'm with my two sons on a Sunday afternoon. As we were walking, I told them a story about when I was a... They had both... This is when they were both... They both had just gotten cars, and they were learning to drive. I said, let me tell you a story. I was on a date after my senior year in high school with my girlfriend, Mary. And you know what? I ran a stoplight and smashed into this car. Why did I do that? Because I wanted them to learn, as they're starting to be drivers, to learn from my mistakes. Parents, share your failure stories with your children. Now, many of you have no failure stories. Well, I don't believe that. I have plenty of failure stories, okay? Share your failure stories with your children. Family teaches us about wisdom. God, help us gain wisdom from our families. We learn from family. We learn from fools. We also learn from friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friends are faithful, loyal, and can be depended on in adversity. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Okay? I hope you have friends who speak truth to you. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. If you are surrounded by people who only say positive things about you, they may not be your friend. Friends give negative feedback, which may hurt us, but it's for our good. My wife reads everything I write, and it's always painful. If you, if for those of you guys who write, I hope you have people that read it over. It's embarrassing, and it's painful, but you know what? It makes us better writers. When was the last time you spoke truth to a friend? I love this one. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, hey, friend, it will be reckoned as a curse to him. Proverbs uses humor. We, we, I am the person with the loud voice. Okay, I, everywhere I go, my, my wife and my sons are like, Dad, shh, indoor voice. I'm right here, Dad. Don't yell at me. I've, I've actually, I've used my, my voice to do open-air preaching, both at Penn, I don't do it a lot, but at Penn and at actually UC Berkeley in California. So God has given me a loud voice and I have been able to use it, but I am this friend. But that's a curse. <laughs> I, I love this. We learn from friends about how to gain wisdom. Um, I was convicted about five years ago about my lack of prioritizing my friendships. I think a lot of guys, people my age, we tend to, we, we're close to our spouse and we don't have a lot of other guy friends. Now, you, you men that are my age or older, you may be the exception. I think for a lot of us, we have, so what happens? The woman dies and the guy has no friends. But the women when the husband dies, the women keep living for another decade, right? This is just what happens. Some of you guys are nodding your heads. I'm like, I want to have friends. And I want to, I mean, I, my, my friendship with my wife is my, after God, is my, you know, my highest priority. 
But I, I was convicted. I need to prioritize my, my, my friendships with males. Um, so I got an email from a friend of mine, John. Uh, he lives out in California. We went to high school together in Iowa. And um, he was divorced about five years ago, and he's just been struggling. And um, he told me about a kind of a, a current relationship he was in that had kind of fallen apart. And he was in a lot of pain. We spoke for an hour and a half on the phone yesterday, um, and I, I just listened. I just listened for about an hour. Um, but then in the midst of it, I said, John, where is Jesus in this? Where is Jesus in the midst of this painful situation? And we talked some more, and we prayed together. I hope and John was very, I mean, John appreciated it. I'm, it's what I can do. I can't take away his pain, but I could be there and I could listen. Friends teach us about wisdom. God, help us gain wisdom from our friends. So before we kind of wind down, I want to reflect a little bit on how does Proverbs offer wisdom? Proverbs doesn't say, you should do this. Proverbs lessons are more memorable. So how does Proverbs give wisdom, impart wisdom? It uses poetry. The sayings are short, pithy, clever, memorable, but it's poetic. Proverbs uses humor to impart wisdom. There's the story of the dog and a vomit, the she-bear, or their loud friend in the morning. It uses humor. There is a lot of humor in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs uses irony. I love this. Stop defacing stop signs. <laughs> irony. The things that are unexpected. The fool who appears wise. Faithful wounds from a friend. Profuse enemies. Jesus was always saying things that were unexpected. Ironic. So does Proverbs. And Proverbs uses horror to get people's attention occasionally. She bears plucking out your eyeballs. So as we try to impart wisdom to family members, friends, children, use poetry, humor, irony, horror. Scare them if you need to. Finally, we learn from fools, family, friends, and finally from fear. Specifically, the fear of the Lord. Fear isn't, in, in, this, in this context, fear isn't something we might normally think about. But fear means awe. It means respect. It means honor. It means reverence. When you fear God, God is your prime reality. God is the thing you worry about, you're concerned about the most. The fear of the Lord, again, it, start, it says this at the beginning in chapter 1 in the section Carl read, but also has it right here too, chapter 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We cannot even begin to acquire wisdom unless we fear and respect and revere God. Make God your prime reality. You'll get wiser. I love this. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. So it's better to be poor 
and fear God than rich and all the troubles that come along with riches. We don't, we don't idolize money. We don't worship money. We worship the Lord. And so it's going to be better to fear him. And then the fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests satisfied. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't format this properly. He will not be visited by harm. That's chapter 19, verse 23. Fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied and will not be visited by harm. So what about godly people who die early because of cancer? Or people, godly people who get harmed? I think we all know people that we think, this person's righteous, this person loves Jesus, that died early, died of cancer, or was going through just some tragedy. <laughs> Let's remember, Jesus died young. He was 30. And Job, Job was a righteous man, and he suffered immense anguish and, and suffering. It's good to ask these questions. And, and if, you, if you're struggling with this, that's a good thing. But let's remember, these Proverbs are teaching general principles, but there will be exceptions. And it takes wisdom to discern the differences. So what do we do when we're struggling with suffering? We read the book of Job. Or when we know somebody that's going to... We think about Jesus and we read the Gospels. The, the, the book of Proverbs teaches us that... Fearing God will somehow lengthen our life, lead to rest and avoidance of harm. But there's going to be exceptions to that. And that's tough. Fear. We need to think about fear. Well, my family was in um, uh, California a couple of years ago at Universal Studios. And they have a show um, that, that they're called The Fear Factor. Based on the, have you guys ever, I'd never heard of the reality because it happened when we were in England, Fear Factor, okay? So they have this show called Fear Factor Live, and you can go down in Universal Studios, and people, actual people, will do crazy things that most of us reasonable people will be afraid of. And so they, they wanted to do a live show, and I saw this live show and said, I could do that, so I volunteered, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a, inherently just basically a foolish person. So to be on this live show, and there was only like 50 people in the audience. It wasn't big. Um, I had to hang 35 feet in the air. I had to reach into a tank of carnivorous eels. I had to catch rancid octopi um, carcasses. I had to retrieve flags from a climbing wall and, and climb onto this suspended car. And somehow, I ended up winning. Okay? Now, it's not as impressive as it sounds, although many of you are saying, well, that doesn't actually sound impressive at all. I get that. So I won a T-shirt. Oh, here, we'll pull this up. I won a T-shirt that included the slogan, a fear factor, champion, live. Fear is not a factor for me. Okay, fear is not a factor. But you know what? For people who want to gain wisdom, fear better be a factor. I hope fear is a factor for you. We fear God, we obey his word, because we know that as we fear him, we will gain wisdom. So at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, Jesus talks about two types of builders. 
a wise guy and a foolish guy. He wants us to learn from the wise guy. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So these two guys have a lot in common. They both want to build. They both want a house. They want a house for protection. They both experience the exact same storm. It's highlighted in the dark blue here. The storm is exactly the same. What we learn here is both wise people and foolish people experience storms. Some of you guys are in the midst of a storm right now. A health storm, a financial storm, a family storm. Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your, grand, your parents or grandparents. I don't know. You're in the midst of a storm. We all experience storms. But if you want a house that's going to stand, you're going to build on the rock. And in this case, building on the rock is hearing Jesus' words and doing them, responding to them. Okay? So we are people who are learning from fools, learning from friends, learning from family, and learning from fear.